Well, if you have that headache, healing is still here <coughs> for you. But you do have to receive it. And I, I, don't, I don't know if we really understand how good things of God really are, how good they really are. You know, if I pulled out my wallet and I said, if I said, oh, I do have one there. Guess I won't use that analogy. <laughs> I was gonna say, if I said, I got $100 here and the first one up here to get, take it out of my hand, it's yours. I have a feeling there'd be a stampede. Sean would knock Miranda down and... But you know, then, then we hear about a promise of God and we kind of sit there. You know why that is? Because now this is scary. You have more confidence in me than you have in God. That's sick. That's sad. But you know, that's where we're at. You know, we ought to be in a place that when we hear something that is available to us and it fits into the same room that we, we run up there to receive it because no, 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 no condemnation. I mean, I'm not trying to keep any condemnation on anybody. I just, I just want you to know that the promise of God are yes and amen. And when he gives a a word of knowledge or even an inkling, it's there for us to hear and receive. And so, let's be receivers. In fact, let's start right now by saying, I'm a receiver. I receive from God. I'm a believer. And because I'm a believer, I receive. I receive what I believe. I believe that I serve a big God. I believe he's more than enough. He's my healer. He's my deliverer. He's my provider. He's my peace and joy. And I receive, because I'm a receiver. You need to wake up every morning and say, I'm a receiver. Not a doubter. I'm a believer. And because I'm a believer, I'm a receiver. Hallelujah. Well, I want to talk with you today about restoration. God restores to us everything that the enemy has stolen from us. Everything that is taken from us. Every one of us, we can look around us and we can, we can see in our lives and and in our families and other areas, we can, we can see areas that we've been, we've been robbed. You know, the Bible says 
that Satan is the thief. He's come but for to steal, kill, and destroy. He's come for one reason, and that's to steal from you and I. We can look in our lives and we can see where he's done that. He's stolen health. He's stolen relationships. He's stolen finances. He's stole, stolen so many things from us. But we need to realize that God is a restorer. And what the enemy has stolen from us, God will restore back to us. But we've got to, first of all, recognize that it's not determined by the circumstances in our life. It's determined by the Word of God. This world that we live in, it's, it's hopeless. And so if you're, if you're depending upon this world to be your answer, you're going to be very, very disappointed because this world can never meet, fully meet your needs. But God can. And where we find that is we find it in His Word because in His Word, He gives us hope in every situation. You know, the enemy, you know, we talked about it a few weeks ago. He wants to bring shame into our lives. Because if he can get us filled with shame, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. Guilt will lead to repentance. Shame will cause us to hide. And the thing you know, the, th the thing about repentance is, you know, I think oftentimes, this isn't my message, by the way, so this is just a freebie. This doesn't count on my time. You know, but the thing about repentance, oftentimes we look at repentance and we see it as a, as a bad word, as an evil thing. But when we truly understand repentance, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's a freeing thing. Because when... What, what, what repentance does is it releases us from whatever it is that's holding us in bondage. And like I said, what, what shame does, shame causes us to hide. Shame tries us to, to get us to, to cover it up. And so as long as we're hiding it, as long as we're, we're covering it up, we can never experience freedom. We can never experience hope. hope. But but what repentance does, when we, when we see it and we, we, we feel guilty or we feel it's not right and we repent of it, what it does is it releases us. There's a freedom that comes into our life. Shame is not of God. Shame is a tool of the devil. And it's there to bring you and me into bondage. But Jesus has come to set us free. You know what restoration does? Is restoration brings back joy into our lives. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to Jeremiah, the 30th chapter and the, the 17th verse. And he says, for I will restore health to you. You know... <clears throat> For something to be restored, it has to have been taken. Am I right or am I right? I thought I was right. For something to be restored to you, it has to have been taken from you. And he says, For I will restore health to you. You know what that means? 
That means that obviously your health had been taken from you. But God says, I want to restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. Because they called you out, called you an outcast saying, this is Zion, no one seeks her. He says, I will restore health. I will heal you of your wounds. You know, that, that wound can be physical. That wound can be emotional. It wounds, we're, we're wounded in, in so many ways. But he says he's going to restore health and we're gonna, he's going to heal us of our wounds. I tell you, the circumstances in our life, the difficulties that we're in, we encounter, we're to talk to them. We're to say to sickness and disease, you're not welcome here. We're to call those things that be not as though they be. But you know what? We're not supposed to sit around and talk about it. We've been wounded, and so what do we do? We sit around and we talk about it. How somebody hurt me, how somebody did me wrong. We talk about the wound rather than do something about the wound. And what we see in the Word of God is what we do is we, we speak what the Word says about that circumstance, that situation. And He brings restoration into our lives. I don't know about you. I want to be restored. You know, the, the thing about it is, is we wrestle so much with some of these subjects, but they've already been settled. If we'll but trust in the Lord. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. In Job, the second chapter, Maybe it's the 22nd chapter. It's not there either. Oh, Joel. Joel, not Job. You know, it's interesting. You find out when you read your Bible that it makes a difference which book you're in. Thank you, appreciate that. My Bible doesn't just fall open to it. I don't understand why. There we go. Job, Joel, the second chapter and the 21st verse. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice. For the Lord has done marvelous things. Do you know why, you know why we don't rejoice? We don't, we don't see that the Lord has done marvelous things. Most of the time, we talk about what he hasn't done or what we don't think he's done. But it says he's done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field, for the, for the open pastures are springing up and the trees bear its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yields their, their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, 
and he will cause the rain to come down on you, the former rain and the latter rain, in the first month. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine and with oil. That means abundance. That means prosperity. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten and the crawling locust and the consuming locust and the chewing locust and the great armies which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. Think about that. We're to have plenty and we are to be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dwelt wondrously with you. And my people shall never, shall never, he says, my people shall never be put to shame. Guess what? As a child of God, we are never to be put to shame. Do you know why? Because we don't have to hide anything. The reason that we don't have to hide anything is because we take it to God. And when we take it to him, we're released from it. He forgives past, present, future. He remembers it no more. He doesn't bring it up anymore. And so he restores to us. And we don't, we don't have any shame. Here where it's talking about the waters, the rains. It's talking about the anointing. The Bible says it's the anointing that sets the captive free. You and I are free not because of our activities, but because of the anointing of God that's upon our life. And through His grace, He has set us free. And we can walk in wholeness. We can walk in completeness. It's talking about the anointing. The characteristic of the anointing is to bring freedom and wholeness into our lives. And it's not what we've done. It's what He does. The anointing of God brings an overflow. And the significance of the overflow is that it's more than enough. That I have what's necessary in my life to be able to touch the life of somebody else. Not only is freedom, free, freedom and healing mine, I have an overflow so that I can minister to others and bring healing and, and freedom to them as well. In Psalms 51, that's in the Old Testament too. <laughs> Psalm 51, 12. Restore to me, restore to me the joy of my salvation. What's that talking about? Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Well, you know, I don't know about you, when I came to the realization that salvation was available to me, that I no longer had to work for it, it was a gift from God. And I received that salvation, there was great joy in my life. But you know what the sad thing is, is for many Christians, they, they begin to take their eyes off of the completed works of Jesus in their life. They begin to look upon themselves. They begin to look at circumstances in their life. And what happens is they, they begin to, 
to lose joy. You know, uh, happiness comes with comfort. When everything is good in our life, we're, we're happy. Happy. Why? Because everything's good in our life. What about when everything isn't perfect? What about when everything isn't good? What about when we're not happy? Then what? Well, then we have joy. The joy of our salvation because joy isn't based on my circumstances. Joy isn't based on my conditions and my comfort. Joy is based on what God has done for me. It's looking to Him. And that's why we can go through difficult times and we can still have joy in our life. Oh, we may not be happy because, see, see joy is much greater than being happy. We can experience that joy of our salvation. When you were saved, the moment that you were saved and, and joy came into your life, you are still in the flesh the same pathetic thing you'd always been. But you weren't looking at that anymore. You were looking at the completed works of Jesus. And because you got your eyes off of you and you got your eyes onto Jesus, all at once, the sun was shining. Everything was beautiful around you. Why? Because he's beautiful. Because he's wonderful. Restore to me the joy of my... See, joy is dynamic. When you have joy in your life, circumstances have to line up. There's power in joy. We need to find our joy. Because with joy comes restoration. He wants to restore to us, not just the joy of our salvation, but everything that salvation represents. But that comes to us as we begin to receive and we begin to walk in that fullness, in that joy that's been made available to us through Christ Jesus. In Habakkuk, chapter 3, why can we rejoice? We can rejoice because we know that the payment has been made. We've been redeemed, we've been bought back. It's been taken, it's been taken care of. You've heard me share this many times. It's just, it's just one of the best illustrations that I've ever heard on this, on calling those things that be not as though they were. And it goes back to when John Osteen was still alive. And he'd often share this account. And he had this, this mini book. And the title of the mini book, whatever happened, is, oh no, no, the title of the mini book was Saturday's Coming. And uh, John Osteen's daughter came to him one day and said she had this party that she wanted to go to and she wanted a new dress. And John says, well, I'm, well honey, I'm, I'm busy all week. But on Saturday, we'll go shopping and I'll buy you a new dress. Well, Monday afternoon, somebody asked him, 
asked her if she was going to the party. And she says, yes, I am, and I'm going to, have a new, I'm, I'm going to wear my new dress. He says, well, can I see your new dress? And she says, well, no, not yet, but Saturday's coming. Went through Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday came. But see, that little girl, she believed her daddy. And because her daddy had said, on Saturday, we're going shopping and I'm going to buy you a new dress, as far as she was concerned, she already had it. What are you believing for? Let me rephrase that. What have you been believing for? And it just seems like it's not showing up. I got good news for you this morning. Saturday's coming. But just like John Osteen's little girl, we need to have that same faith. We need to have that same confidence, that same belief in our Father God, that if he promised it to us, we're going to see the manifestation. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be Tuesday. And because nobody has time to shop on Tuesday because we're all voting. Amen? Amen. It may not be Wednesday. You probably won't have time to go shopping on Wednesday because you're all coming to church. Amen? amen. That's a lesser amen. <clears throat> Thursday. But Saturday's coming. So don't give up. Don't quit. I said Habakkuk 3, didn't I? Verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stall. In other words, things aren't going too good on the farm. Prices aren't what prices ought to be. Normally would have used yield, but every story I've heard about yield is... <clears throat> doesn't apply here. But the, pro the, the price, the, the, the price of the corn. But listen to this, verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. And he will make me walk on my high hills. To the chief musician with my stringed instruments. You see, he said high hills. We would have said high on the hog. Even though the prices may not be what they should be, we're going to live high on the hog. Why? Because God is our all-sufficient God. He supplies, He meets every one of our needs, whatever it may be. Even when things look not so good, we're going to experience joy. You see, as, as Christians, we ought not to be the ones walking around with the long faces. No matter what the conditions are, we always have hope. 
because we're in Him. We always should be full of joy. Why? Because we have peace. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength and He's my peace and I can trust and I can rely upon Him in every situation. Listen to me. Nothing, absolutely nothing is too big for our God. Nothing is impossible to Him. And you know what? There's, it seems like times in life where there's things that we have to endure. But you know what? He's our strength. He's our supply in those times of need that we can depend upon Him knowing that He'll never let me down. Never let me down. Proverbs 6.30 People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he's starving. I mean, you can understand that. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. The thief. What, what's, what's your expectation? Something stolen from you. Well, I guess that's how it is. You know what? <clears throat> People can't steal from Pastor Becky and I. You know, because... Now, this isn't an encouragement for any of you to take anything of mine. But they can't steal from us because when we've been stolen from, we've just given it to them. We've just sown it as seed. Then we declare that it's to come back sevenfold. And then we quit worrying about it. We stop thinking about it. And then as time goes on and we look back in the years and we can just, we can just see it. We can see where, where things have been stolen from, maybe, maybe material things, maybe other things, but we can see that it's been restored to us. Let me tell you something. Jerry Seville made this statement one time. He said, the thing about God is he's never late, but seldom early. When's God going to restore it to me? Right on time. Right where you, when you need it. But see, that's why we believe, no matter what the circumstances may be around about us, we continue to believe because God will never let us down. He's the same yesterday and forever. That's why I can read these scriptures out of the Old Testament. Psalm 61, verse 8. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery from, for burnt offerings. And I will direct their work in truth and will make them an everlasting covenant. And why don't we just back up one verse, since that's the verse I was supposed to read. But that was really a nice verse, didn't you think? <laughs> verse 7. 
instead of your shame, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Think about that. The world wants to shame you for your mistakes, for what you've done in the past. The world wants to shame you. But God says, I'll give you double honor. Think about that. Just think about that. When you, when you look at, at your past and you look at things that you've done and you just, oh my goodness, why did I ever do that? And, it's, and, 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 and you feel so ashamed of it, but you go to God and you repent and you say, Lord, I, I messed up, I need you to touch this area of my life. He forgives you. And he doesn't just leave it there. Doesn't just honor you, but it says he gives you double honor. You know, all the stuff that we see in the media and so forth right now, everything that's being said about this person, that person, the other person, the shame that they're encountering, but you know what? In God, they don't have to continue to live in that shame. If they would go to God, not only would the shame be wiped out, but they would receive double honor from God. And you know who the worst culprits are? It's the church. Because oftentimes we, the church, what we do is we bury our wounded rather than embrace them and bring healing into their life. We add to the shame because we look down our holy pony nose at them instead of operating in the scripture and loving them. Bringing them out of that place of shame into a place of victory, into a place of wholeness. That's what we've been called to do. Let's make the decision. We're not just going to be Christians. We're going to act like it. Isn't that a novel idea? That we'd all actually live that life as a Christian. And how can we do that? Because our shame has been obliterated. Our shame has been wiped out. We have received double honor. And because we've received double honor, we can look to those around us and we can give them hope. In Acts, the third chapter, Acts, the third chapter, and the 19th verse, it says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who has preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. 
that we, you and I, that we might receive times of refreshing. But where do we find those times of refreshing? It's in his presence. It isn't just knowing God, knowing who Jesus is. It's coming into his presence. You know, in the presence of God, there is no condemnation. In the presence of God, there is peace. In the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. In the presence of God, there is a, there's a refreshing. When we sit down with our scriptures and we read it, and then we just sit before him quietly, because oftentimes what we do, you know, if, you, if you're like me, there's, there's some, certain things I do religiously because if I don't, I won't follow through. And so I religiously read my Bible reading because if I don't do it that way, I won't do it. And, you know, I'll have... I have to have a marathon reading because I'm so far behind. And some of you are fast readers, I'm not. So for me, a marathon is a real marathon. But of course, then at that point, you're just getting it done. You see, when we do things religiously, oftentimes that's, that's what we do, we just, we just get it done. But you know, there's times where we've just gotta do nothing. I think it was Hilton Sutton that said he has an hour. You know, of course, he is a preacher, so he, we have plenty of time for things like this. You know, you're the exception because you have to work for a living. You don't have time for it. I'm being facetious, but that's what everybody thinks. Everybody has an hour. Well, Pastor, you haven't seen. You have an hour. If you don't, you need to do something about your schedule because the only one in control of your schedule is you. But Hilton Sutton made this statement. He says he has an hour every day where he does absolutely nothing but think. I mean, that in itself, thinking would be a novel idea for some people, you know. But, uh, <clears throat> But what, what, is, what does he mean by that? There needs to be a time where we sit back and we're just able to reflect upon the promises of God. You've read the scriptures, so you know what the scriptures say. You may not be able to quote chapter and verse, but you know what the scriptures say. Amen? And so there needs to be times where in your life, and, and maybe an hour is too much. Let's, let's start out with five minutes where you sit back and you concentrate on the things of God and you think about how good God is. Not what he needs to do to get somebody else straightened up. No, how good God is. And you think on that, you dwell on that, you meditate on that. You think about the promises in the scriptures. How you can do all things 
because Christ strengthens you. The greater one lives within you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You're a brand new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And because of that, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And you dwell and you think on those things. And you know what that is? That's the time of refreshing. Where you walk away from that and you, you feel this peace. You feel this assurance, this confidence that no matter what the circumstances are in your life, you can overcome it. Why? Because the overcomer dwells on the inside of you. And he's greater. Greater than any circumstance that you encounter in life. Let's turn back to Jeremiah again. Jeremiah 33. And while you're turning there, I want to read from Job 42.10. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. You know, most people look at the book of Job and they think it's just such a depressing book. But you know, the, the book of Job most historians, historians believe that it, that it took place over about a nine-month period of time. And, and we know all the losses that, that Job encountered. And then he had his friends that came to see him. And if you've read the story, you know if you've got friends like Job, you don't need enemies. Because all that they could do is come around and criticize and put him down and and all those sorts of things. But in the end, God looked at Job and he saw him as a, as a righteous man. And he asked something that's really difficult for us to do of Job. He said, these guys that have criticized you, I want you to pray for them. Now, Job could have said, <laughs> after what they've said about me? Are you kidding? But you know what he did? He prayed for him. He stopped relying upon his feelings. And he acted upon the word of God that was given to him. And he prayed for him, for them. And says that Job was restored. Took a period of time. Looked like nothing good was ever going to come out of this. But Job was restored. And he ended up with twice as much as he had before. And he was a very wealthy man. But why? Wasn't anything he did. Wasn't anything he could have done other than Listen to and obey the voice of God. Listen, saints, we need to listen to the voice of God. And we have the word of God. Job had a, heard from God, but under the old covenant, they had to rely upon the prophetic scriptures or the 
prophets, not the scriptures, the prophets. The Bible says that in the Bible, we have a more sure thing. As much as they were able to depend upon the prophets, we can depend upon the word of God more fully than what they could depend upon the prophets. And we look at the prophets and we think, whoa. If we would have just lived back then, if I could have just listened to Isaiah or Jeremiah or, or, or one of the great prophets, oh, wow. No, we have, a, we have a more sure thing. We have a better thing than what they had under the old covenant. We have the Word of God. Jeremiah 33, 6. Behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. And I will cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel to return and we will re rebuild those places as at the first. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which by which they have sinned against me, and I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have, <clears throat> they have trespassed, uh, transgressed against me. Then it shall be to me a name of joy, a peace and an honor before all nations of the earth, who shall hear all the good that I do to them, they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I shall provide them. Thus says the Lord, again there shall be heard in this place of which you say, it is desolate without man and without beast in the cities of Judah, in the streets of J Jerusalem, that all that are desolate without man and without inhabitant and without beast. The voice of joy. See, what this is saying is whatever your mess is, however impossible it may be, no matter how you're hearing all the voices of hopelessness, let me tell you, citizens, of the United States of America, no matter what the conditions are, there's hope Amen. because we have our God. Amen. But what we need to do is to, to begin to speak hope rather than defeat. We need to start believing for restoration rather than destruction. We need to begin to believe that our God is still bigger than socialism, than democracy, than capitalism. He's bigger than anything. Our freedom that we experience in this land, now I done started preaching, but our freedom isn't because we're a democracy. It's because we believe in God. They've tried freedom in lands that don't believe in our God. And it's failed miserably. Why? 
Because without God, you can't trust anybody. But we can trust one another in Jesus. And so, starting Tuesday, no more negativism. We're going to begin to speak positive. We're going to believe we, we can start right now. But Tuesday for sure. You know, why believe today when you can put it off till Tuesday? Amen. It's like the one with the headache. Heal me, heal me next week. Why? Get it today. You know, I, I was, I'm always amazed. I, I, don't know where, I don't know what time it is, but I don't care. You know what it means when a pastor looks at his watch? Absolutely nothing. Just a clue for you. It doesn't bother me when you look at your clock. It's just when you go. <laughs> that bothers me. Okay. Where was I? What was I talking about? Oh, I know what I was going to say. Wasn't it, wasn't it Pharaoh when the... What, what, what was it? The, the frogs in everybody's bed and everything and... And wanted to get rid of it and tomorrow. Now let me tell you something. If I got frogs in my bed, they're getting out today. You know, why, why in the world would you wait till tomorrow? Now, of course, somebody who likes frogs is probably offended. <laughs> you know, but anyway. Let's believe God. He's our joy. He's our peace. And so, so here he's talking about all the, the mess around them. And then the 11th verse it says, the voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride. You know, they put the bride and bridegroom in there because it's supposed to be good. <laughs> I just had a thought, but Becky's sitting in the front row and we won't go there. <clears throat> but it's supposed to be all kinds of joyous things going on. That's to return. Let's, let's be a people of joy. Let's be a people of gladness. Let's be a people of enthusiasm and excitement. Praise the Lord of hosts. For the Lord is good. Everybody say, he's good. He's good. I mean, he's good. It's really, it's really good. For the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Just for your information, you got a half hour before the game starts. My thing just notified me. <clears throat> so hard to get out, get away from carnality when you have technology. But the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. 
And of those who will bring the sacrifice of praise unto the house of the Lord, for I will cause the captives of the land to return as at the first. In other words, it's going to be restored to us. Come to the house of the Lord with praise. Guess what? We can get together on a Sunday morning in the house of the Lord and praise Him. But guess what? You're the house of the Lord. So you can walk down the street. When you, when you take your loop around here, when you're going for your walk, there ought to just be a little ooh in your walk because you're just, you're just praising the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. We've been listening too much to that 60s channel on, on the radio. God's good. His mercy endures forever. He wants to bring restoration into each of our lives. We can look at our lives and we can see, oh, God has restored so much to me. But you know what? He wants the double portion. Whatever you've seen, he wants to bring more into your life. He wants to take away those low times and get you up there where you're walking in the hard times all the time. That's what God wants to work in your life in my life. You no longer have to live and dwell upon your past. You don't have to go around thinking about the what ifs or the what if I would have done this or that or I, I wasted all these years. I've, I've wasted all. No, no, no more. That's all product of shame. Today is your day of salvation. You say, well, pastor, I've already been saved. Yes, but sozo, today is your day of salvation. Today is your day of new beginnings. Today is the day that you decide with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, I'm going to serve God. I'm not going to live in that mediocrity any longer. I'm going to move forward in the things of God, and I'm going to live the abundant, victorious life in Jesus. Let me close with Psalms 107 too. You're all familiar with it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You're redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You're redeemed from poverty. You're redeemed from lack. You're redeemed from sickness and disease. You're redeemed from bondage. You're redeemed from sadness. You're redeemed from depression. You're redeemed from hopelessness. Our God, your God, is a redeeming God who has bought you back, who has redeemed you from the enemy. Life is yours. Abundant life belongs to you through Jesus. Let's purpose this day to walk in the fullness of it, in the precious, mighty, magnificent name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Father God, we thank you for your word, that it's living, it's active, it's 
It's working in us that which you desire to achieve in each of our lives. Father, we receive restoration. In each of our minds, there's the thought of those things that have been robbed, that have been stolen from us. And Father, we don't know how, but we know you will. And we claim restoration right now. And we declare that which the enemy has stolen, he's got to reimburse sevenfold in Jesus' name. Where my health has been stolen from me, health be restored in Jesus' name. Where physical items and have been stolen from us, be restored in Jesus' name. Where times of my past because of of circumstances and situations, it seems life, life, life experience has been stolen from me. Be restored in Jesus' name. And Father, we know that it's not by might and it's not by power and it's not by our ability, but it's by your Spirit. And so we thank you for it. We praise you for it. We declare that though we may not see it right now, we know that Saturday is coming and that you, you more than any man, you are true and faithful to your word to perform it to a T. And so we thank you and we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody that agrees and says that's for me says amen. amen. So as you go, go in his peace, his strength, his love, Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them. Make